the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Persist in this. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And Pastor Chris picked up on this the last time and explained that to you. There's only one Savior for the whole world, and it's God. Jesus Christ, the God, the Christian God, except no substitutes. He is the Savior of the world, especially for those who have experienced the grace of being saved by Him. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, we are continuing with Pastor Keith's series entitled Church Matters. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 4. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Do not act your age. You're younger than most of the people there. Command and teach these things. Don't let anybody despise your youth, but set the believers an example. Act older, act mature. How? In speech, little victories. In conduct, building up little habits, in love, in faith, in purity. And then verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, to, in other words, spiritual self-discipline. This has to do with forming these habits, this cumulativeness. What does it take to develop cumulativeness? It takes repetition. You see it in the text. We just saw it. Command and teach. Set an example. Devote yourself, right? Repetitiousness. We see it really driven home for us in Philippians 4.9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice, and the sense here in the Greek grammar is practice, 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 repeatedly practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Look, add a skill, add a behavior, habituate yourself, practice it again and again until it becomes second nature. 
Be anxious for nothing. Pray with thanksgiving. Dwell on the right things over and over again. Practice these things in order to love God with all of your mind. In order to live what we used to call in the old days the victorious Christian life. It's not easy. You want to let up. You want to quit. But you can't. Because that's an act of worship. It's part of your witness. It's part of who you are or should be. Horses were made to run, birds for flight, fish for the water. You for worship. You for loving God with all your mind. And so you know what you have to do sometimes? You've got to make time for God. You put your phone on do not disturb. Practice is in session. And you spend time with him in prayer. You spend time studying your Bible. Which points us to the next thing. What does it take? What does it take to habituate this? Doggedness. Doggedness. Years ago, I went to the mission field. It was a short-term mission trip, but it was a long one. And I was with this South African missionary there, and he told me, Feisbite. I first thought he was speaking New Jersey. Feisbite, but it was Feisbite. That means latch on. In Afrikaans, it means bite tightly. And it pictures a pit bull grabbing a hold and not letting go. Doggedness. You see it in the text. Again, go back to verses 11 through 13. It's all there. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love and faith and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of the scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. It's ongoing. A dogged pursuit of the things of God. And this isn't just the theme in the pastoral epistles. This is Genesis to Revelation. Colossians 3. Let me do my traditional commercial for Colossians 3. You have a bad habit. You have an obsession. You have a stumbling block, a stumbling behavior that's getting the better of you. Get into Colossians 3. It summarizes everything Old Testament to New about making change, about breaking bad habits, about putting on good practices, about setting your mind in the right place and the right things. We'll just look at verses 1 through 3. It says, If, could also say since, if then you have been raised up with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, is who, who is your life, appears, then you will appear also with him in glory. The New American Standard renders it better. It says, keep seeking the things above. These are commands. They're in the imperative of... Uh, Mood the active voice, which means you are at it. You are doing it constantly, seeking the things above, not the things of earth, no distractions. You're trying to love God with all of your mind, right? You should love the God. You should love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Deuteronomy 6, Jesus talks about it. And Matthew, set your mind on the things above. Doggedness, latch on like a pit bull. Don't miss this. You see this cumulativeness, this repetitiousness here, this doggedness. God doesn't allow room for idols of the heart. It says in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, you shall have no other gods before me. Gods come in many shapes and forms. Sometimes they're misplaced priorities. Sometimes they're fears. 
and obsessions, time wasters. So these first two steps are essential actions that you've got to take to love God with all your mind, to love Him with all your heart, and to enjoy the full satisfaction of your salvation. If you want to live for Christ, if you want to feel the love of God, the pleasure of God, commit yourself to Him. There are no half measures with Him. You either are all in or you are all out. He doesn't want 10% of you. He wants all of you. And so condition yourself to love God with all your mind. Habituate the right practices or habits. And step three, which builds on the first two, and think of these, remember the old telescopes from the old uh, sailing ship days where they would go like that, you know, they just telescope out. That's what this is. Each builds on the other. Or if you want to say you're building a stairway to heaven, this is the next step on that stairway. All these things speak to preventive maintenance in a kind of a way. You know, when, uh, when I was in the hotel business and our company might buy a hotel, the first, you know, some people like to cook the books, you know, the, the financial records. Other people just cook the building. They don't do preventive maintenance and you never catch up on fi- everything's broken and you've got 10 years. Do you know that when you build a commercial building that about 90% of the costs come after construction? How does that tie into this? You have to do, if you want to love God with all your mind, you've got to do preventive maintenance. You can't go back and try to catch up on stuff you neglected for years. And where do we see that? This is our third step. Discipline. Discipline your whole person to love God with all your mind. That's what's going on there. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Otherwise, you can't love your neighbor as yourself. You can't do what you do for the glory of God, the good of others, and your own growth. Where do we see this? Verses 14 through 16. I want you to watch this play out. Do not neglect the gift you have. Now, he's talking to Timothy. Timothy's been called to ministry. He has ministry gifts. But but the same applies to you. The gift you have is your salvation and the place where God has put you in redemptive history to fulfill your purpose. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. It's talking about Timothy's ordination. Think of it in terms of your salvation. Verse 15, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. There's your witness. Verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. You see some of the teaching that uh, he's talking again to Timothy as a preacher and a teacher, as an elder. You look at some of the churches in our country today and the stuff that they're doing, the stuff that they bought into, you know. Keep a close watch on your teaching and preaching. The same applies to you. You proclaim the gospel with your life every day. You tell your children and grandchildren, your husband, your wife, your, your siblings, you teach every day by the way you think live and speak. Keep a close watch on it. And then look, persist in this. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And Pastor Chris picked up on this the last time and explained that to you. There's only one Savior for the whole world, and it's God. Jesus Christ, the God, the Christian God, except no substitutes. He is the Savior of the world, especially for those who have experienced the grace of being saved by him. What does it say? There is one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ, right? Savior of the whole world, especially those who believe. 
But what's also going on here is sort of a preventive maintenance schedule, a preventive maintenance protocol. Because we live in a busy world where we are easily distracted. There's the tyranny of the urgent, the ringing telephone. And the trouble is, urgent and important aren't the same things. You think you've got to answer that phone when your son or daughter is pouring their heart out to you or your spouse is. There's the text, your Apple Watch vibrates, you look down. How many times have I done that? That's urgent, but that's not important. What's important are the things of God, the things that last, eternal things. Loving God with all your mind. So you've got to keep at it. What does it take to do that? There are three traits that are found in our text again. And I want to show them to you in verses 14 through 16. First, there is active engagement. Active engagement. No preventive maintenance ever gets done unless somebody does something. Where do we see this? Verse 14. Do not, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Well, you may never have been ordained, but you know what? You have surrendered your soul to God. You have committed your way to him. Maybe in baptism, you have made a public profession of faith. You have given thanks for the gift of salvation. Do not neglect so great a salvation. Be actively engaged in the things of God. Thinking, right thinking leads to right attitudes, actions, words, and deeds. Be actively engaged. There's no falling off the wagon. There's no backing off. There's no easing off. Don't neglect the joys and the opportunities afforded you by so great a salvation. Even the trials. And I get it. Life is hard. We know something about trials. But remember who you belong to, why he raised you up for such a time as this. Remember who you serve. Remember what he's done for you and why you are really here. You were saved for a reason. You were raised up for a reason. The chief end of man is to enjoy God, is to worship God and to enjoy him forever. And that worship takes many forms. Worship is everything we say things. The reason for your salvation. You have to be actively engaged, guard up on the field of battle. Alert, watchful, ready to act against old habits, ready to habituate new habits. No letting up because Satan doesn't. Satan doesn't take weekends off. The world system doesn't matter, mind working a little overtime if they can get at you. You've got to be engaged. And you know, if you're going to be engaged, here's another trait. And that one's focused. Focused. Disciplining yourself requires focus. You see this in verse 15. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. And then look with me. This is one of my favorite passages. One, because I used to box, but two, because it really speaks to everything about the Christian life. 1 Corinthians 9, 26 to 27. This is staying focused. So I do not run aimlessly. He stays focused. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body to keep it under control. His appetites don't control him. His emotions don't control him. His will controls them. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Focus. 
lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He keeps his body under control, which is an act of will. It's an act of discipline. He doesn't react when things go wrong. He responds, which also speaks to another trait, persistence. Persistence, not giving up or giving in. We see that in verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. This is for a pastor, but for you it's keep a close watch on yourself and the thinking and what you do and what you say on your witness. And then it says, and here's where I got the persistence from, persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. This verse hangs up a lot of people. And really, uh, in, the, you know, in the next podcast, we talk about what it means when a loved one walks away from the faith. The, the uh, Puritans used to call it perseverance of the saints. How do you know when somebody's saved? When they die saved. When they die, when they live a life for Christ. And they never seem to quite fall off the wagon. And he's warning Timothy, don't take your salvation for granted. Don't take anybody else's. Persist in this. Persist in watching what you do. You can't lose your salvation. We know that. And so what he's saying here is keep it up. Persist in these things. Take no chances with yourself or anybody else. And as you do these things, as you bear witness for Christ, as you love Christ with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will, by extension, love your neighbor as yourself as you live out your faith before a a hurting, fallen, dying world. Persistence, never giving up. Thomas Edison, I listened to a politician recently say that Thomas Edison didn't invent the light bulb. Um, Despite what some say, he did invent the light bulb. And one of the challenges that he faced was persistence. Trying to get the filament right, which we now, of course, we are living in in the land of LEDs, which first was preceded by the uh, fluorescence. But once upon a time, there was something called the incandescent light bulb. And in that little light bulb was a filament. And that filament, to get it to burn and to last, you had to find the right metal. And Thomas Edison and his crew tried 250 or so filaments, and every time it would short out and burn out. It wouldn't last. One of his assistants said to him, well, we know, what, we know what doesn't work. Time to give up. And Edison is said to have replied, nonsense, we've eliminated 250 wrong possibilities. And the next filament they tried was the magnesium one, and that was the one. Persistence. Persistence. So, what does it take to love God with all of your mind? Conditioning your mind to do so habituating little wins as you take baby steps in spiritual growth and building good behaviors. And it takes discipline, self-control, right? It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Now, I want to give you a caution that Pastor Chris gave. In this whole discussion that I'm doing with you right now, we're not talking about how to be saved. We're talking about how to live saved. This isn't earning your way into heaven. This is living for God. If you don't know Christ, if you haven't surrendered your soul to Jesus Christ, if you haven't 
If you haven't bowed the knee and said, I am a sinner, I need the Savior. There is only one Savior who died for my sin and rose again, Jesus Christ. God save me. You haven't surrendered your whole person to him. None of this is possible. It will be beyond you because you will not have the empowerment that comes through a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're listening to me today and you've never surrendered your soul, your heart, your mind, your life, your rights to Jesus Christ and begged him to make you his child, this is the day. And you know, as you watch online, there's the prayer button there you know, where you can ask for prayer. Do it. Do it. As a believer, Christian, if you take these three steps, you will have taken three steps toward loving the Lord your God with all of your mind. You'll have taken three steps to growing in grace. And this will liberate you from the busyness, from the irrational fears, from the preoccupation with the temporal things, and put you on the track to serving and loving God with all of your mind. It all starts with salvation, and it continues with your commitment to love the Lord your God with all of your mind, so that you can do this to the glory of God, for the good of others, and ultimately for your own growth. So what do you do with all this? What now? What next? Let me give you some suggestions for application that are interwoven and interconnected and interdependent. Number one, make time for God. Make time for God. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Plan to spend time alone with God. What does that require? Number two, make space for God. Stuff's got to go from the schedule. Cut stuff out. There are people, places, and things that you cannot afford to be associated with, engaged in, immersed in. Get rid of them, restless one, and make room for God. What else? Number three, invest in the kingdom. Jesus said, what does it profit a man that he gained the world and forfeit his soul? What do you, where are you ministering right now? Where are you engaged, actively engaged in the things of God? Lay up treasure in heaven, not on earth. Do not be distracted by the stuff around you. This church, this community needs people actively engaged in serving God. Invest in the kingdom. Number four, last and not least, protect the relationship. Protect the relationship. You shall have no other gods or priorities before him. They won't satisfy, they can't. And they will not point others to Christ like your children or your siblings or your, maybe your spouse. And let me make a suggestion, depending on where you are today. I have some resources for you I would like to recommend. Uh, one is called When People Are Big and God Is Small by Ed Welch. It's a worthwhile read. I know Pastor Paul is doing the biblical counseling training, this would go hand in glove with that. Another one is called Idols of the Heart by Elise Fitzpatrick. Great, great book. There's another one too, uh, if you have, if you struggle with some sort of a bad habit or addiction called uh, Addiction, A Banquet in the Grave. I think it's also by Ed Walsh. Let me just commend those three books. In the meantime, let me encourage you to take these three steps to loving God with all of you. You'll be glad you did. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we live in a world that's on fire right now. We are shut in, Lord, limited in many ways. 
Father, but we serve an unlimited, unlimiting God. Help us to remember who we serve. Help us to find ways, Lord. Help us not to be afraid, to be angry, to be frustrated, to be confused, Lord. But help us to look to you, the Savior of our souls, the author and finisher of our faith, and love you with all of our mind. To be engaged creatively where and when we can, because that's what we were made for, Father. And each and every one of us who have named the name of Christ, who are born-again Christians, were raised up for this time and put here for this time. Oh, Lord, help us, help me to love you with all of my mind. Pastor Keith Crosby with today's Grace to Live radio broadcast. We are so grateful that you've chosen to spend this time with us today here on the program. And if you have questions about today's show, or if you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Keith, then I would encourage you to visit our website, hillsidechurch.org. There you can listen to past sermons and other content from Pastor Keith just by clicking the Sermon Archive tab. And you can also find links to Pastor Keith's blog, as well as the Out of My Mind podcast. The website is also a great place to connect with us here at Hillside. You can find information on our service times, ministry opportunities, and of course you can browse our calendar of upcoming events. Again, all this and much, much more can be found by visiting our website, hillsidechurch.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time on Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves, and on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you, and thanks for listening. Thank you.